This is The Yay with Reg Clay and Norm G, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Norm is still on uh, vacation. He's in Chicago right now, but I have a very special guest, Jeannie Baroga. How are you, Jeannie? Good, good. <laughs> All right. Jeannie is a fantastic playwright. She uh, wrote Buffaloed, Aurora, and many, many others. And now you're working on a book called Turn Right at the Water Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So let's let's jump into it. How um, how did how did the theater bug how did how did the theater bug bite you? You know, Norman and I have talked about how theater has meant so much in our lives. We grew up in the ghetto. We grew up on you know uh, the mean streets or whatever, and theater sort of saved us. Mm-hmm. So what's your story as far as theater is concerned? Yeah, it saved me too. It, it, uh, in high school, um, I moved from a all Catholic high school to a public school, mm-hmm. which was. And they go, oh, my God, you know, what's going to happen? You know, what about my education? <laughs> <laughs> but I was so shy mm-hmm. in, in uh, the Catholic school. I, I didn't you know, do a lot of extracurricular. I couldn't anyway. They, mm-hmm. My parents would not allow me to do a lot of stuff afterwards. Mm. And uh, But in public school, um, there was a speech class. And because I was so shy, I could not talk in front of people. Mm. You know, I would just, my hands would shake. Interesting. You know. And I said, I have to get over this. I'm not going to talk to anybody, <laughs> you know, yeah. in, in public settings and stuff like that. So the speech class, which was also the theater class, and Miss Miller, my teacher, um, she had me go up there and speak. And, of course, all I did was shake the whole time. And mm. she said, it's okay, it's okay, you're getting to know this and all that. And she cast me in the first play of the wow. of the quarter. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And so sure enough, once I got on stage... It was well. The atmosphere of re- rehearsal was really intriguing. Everybody seemed to be the same type, like me, you mm-hmm. know, that arty type. You yeah. Know? And uh, so when I was on stage, then it just, oh, I could do this. I could <laughs> do this. I had like two lines, something yeah. like that. And then she cast me for the second one and mm-hmm. had a, a few more lines. And um, by then, I was just sort of like wigging out, thinking like, oh, oh all this freedom and blah blah blah. Uh-huh. And um, it wasn't until high school when I went to uh, – the, they took the whole class of us to the downtown theater at the time, Milwaukee Rep, and um, the, they were doing um, the, the Miser. Moliere. Moliere. Yeah. And I loved Moliere ever mm-hmm. since. And so this actor comes in, and we're in the theater in the round. He sits right down here. He's looking down at me, delivering his first lines. I'm looking right up at him, and his makeup – you could tell he was a very young man under mm-hmm. that, but he was playing this old miser, and I was like struck. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh yeah. my God, you can like, you can like be other people here, you know? Yeah. And that was pretty much it. I just realized I wanted to be in any aspect of theater I possibly could. I can't imagine you as an actor because I've always known you as a writer. But uh, did you did you do a lot of acting? Um, not as much as I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not cast for the things I wanted to be in, and, oh, and that's yeah. that's what pushed me into playwriting. I figured I'm going to write the the roles that I would be cast for. Yeah. Or if I have to do it myself, I would. You know, yeah. you know, I'll know the lines. But um, yeah, it was it was because I wasn't being cast that I really dove into playwriting. Now, did you did you have any formal training as far as playwriting, or did you take I imagine you did you write plays before you took any playwriting training yeah, or anything like that? I did. Okay. I was reading so many plays and so when I'd read a few plays and I'd go off and I'd write what I thought would be a play of mine and go back and read and read and read and read and um so I had quite a uh, 
collection of plays before I took my first playwriting class. Mm. Yeah. Did that help? I'm sh did that put you ahead of the class, or did you have to unlearn a lot of stuff? Um, both. You know, um, it did put me a, a little ahead because I knew structure, mm -hmm. and they were still back at lear learning structure. Mm -hmm. But also because I um, I had set in my mind, this is what I want to write, and I don't want anybody to change any words, and you know <laughs> that whole yeah. process of collaboration I hadn't learned yet because it was still all in my head. Sure, sure. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's a that's a problem with a lot of young playwrights. You know, they like they write the first draft, and they really want the draft to be that's it. Mm -hmm. Let's, I don't want to change anything, and it, mm -hmm. it is in their heads. Would you say that would be the number one problem with a lot of uh, young playwrights? Um, I I would say for the most part it is. I think in this day and age, though, I think they see so much. Like I read a lot of plays. They see a lot of TV. They see a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. They think they can write screenplays. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, Conrad had mentioned about how there's so much junk or stuff or really just one-dimensional storylines that you see in movies and plays. I mean, it's a lot like um, fast food playwriting mm -hmm. or pl fast food writing, period. Mm -hmm. And um, there's not a lot of original thinking um, in, in playwriting. And I guess that would be a main problem. Well, I mean, that's sort of a generalized statement there are some pretty amazing genius young writers out there and mm -hmm. it always makes me feel a little envious like god like what kind of training or <laughs> what mm -hmm. kind of avenues did you have no. that this is how this is the point you're yeah. at already and you're only this old no there's you know? some magnificent plays i get mm -hmm. when i was talking about one dimensional i was really talking about one dimensional writing that we see in movies mm -hmm. and in television mm -hmm. like your, your typical sitcom or whatever i mean right, a right. lot of the sitcom plots are the same as they were in the 70s yeah. or you know what have you yeah, yeah yeah and i think that's the same thing it's the same type of pr you know they they they, they highlight the ones that they want you to see and the ones who really do their homework will dig a little deeper and, and find that there are even more uh, uh, fascinating subject matters or mm -hmm. ways to approach it or you know, uh, ways to implement it and things like that. So the, those workers are the ones who, who still pop up. You can tell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where did you take your training from? I mean, your, where did you learn playwriting uh, uh, formally? Formally, mm -hmm. um, I would have to say that it was uh, at uh, Foothill College mm -hmm. and then um, uh, got the degree in De Anza. And um, everything else was pretty much, you know, seen with ants, you know. Yeah. Um, I took uh, writing classes from certain people who were offering it in the Bay Area, um, maybe about five of those. Mm -hmm. And um, and a, a lot of... A lot of self-taught, really. Yeah. You know, and that means reading a lot and mm -hmm. going to a lot of plays. Yeah. So, um, and that's what I always advise the students I have to yeah. see a lot of plays. You know, it's not just your piece of paper. You know. <laughs> you know. That's right. Step out of the box. Mm -hmm. I should talk about some of your accolades. Uh, you, your works were accepted by Stanford University. It's now in the Stanford University Library. Um, that's a, a fantastic accomplishment. What are some of the other accomplishments, uh, not just to toot your horn, but to show other budding playwrights who are listening to this, hey, this is where I can go? Mm, well, um, I got the National Endowment for the Arts Award for uh, Walls mm -hmm. when it was first uh, uh, produced at Asian American Theater. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been done, I don't even know how many times, maybe 15 times now. Wow, that's fantastic. And... Um, then the the big one recently was the uh, Gerbodi uh, 
Foundation, you mm -hmm. and Kabodi Foundation for Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And um, and Buffalo's been played everywhere. I mean, uh, it's. I think it, it had a production in Hawaii earlier this year, right? Right, yeah. right, yeah, and it premiered down at San Jose Stage. Mm -hmm. And um, then sort of filtering down from that, there was a, a L.A. Women's Award, mm -hmm. um, which I was really... I was really um, pleased with that because that was uh, Mar Marley Maple, Marley, <laughs> sorry, Marley Mapes, you know, who mm -hmm. um, she gave a little speech and I was just so enthralled with that. I'm thinking, like, oh my God, I'm getting an award with her, you know, mm -hmm. and and in L in L A for that matter. Yeah. Um, and uh, probably one which is a little more unusual. Well, there's been a lot of publications, mm -hmm. right? U UMass Press. And Walls was done on an international uh, um, cruise ship. Mm -hmm. It was the Navy. Uh, what did they call it? International Onboard Education. So this woman brought her whole class mm -hmm. to go on this trip. Yeah. And as they crossed the international dateline, mm -hmm. they performed Walls, and they crossed it the next night. They performed it again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. So, and grown military men were in tears. That is fantastic. Tell me about Walls. What What's the plot of Walls? It's based on the controversy behind the building of the Vietnam Memorial Wall uh, because of Maya Lin's design, mm -hmm. which it's interesting. At the time I wrote it, it was, it was already kind of old news, mm -hmm. so it was hard to find information on it. Yeah. And um, then in subsequent productions, there was always a war. Mm -hmm. So it was like Every time I, they asked me to come speak to the cast, I'd say, think of this war now the same way these kids were thinking about the Vietnam War. Yeah. You know? And it, it was um, something that would always const constantly have life because of that. Yeah. Um, but I was also in, uh, held in many, many jobs while I was writing. <laughs> One was graphic arts. And there's a particular sequence where the client comes to you, I want this done, you do it. They see it. Okay, that's good. Can you change this, 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 and this? And you're thinking like, okay, I've got to build in a, a cost here for changes, you know. And so you give them that, and mm -hmm. you, they say, oh yeah, this is really great. Can you change this, 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 and this? <laughs> and that's the mood I was in when I wrote Walls. Yeah, I just yeah. felt, you know, I feel just like Myelin, where people say, oh, I love your, your your design. It wins. It won. It won the top award. Can you change it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Can you custom fit it to for my and you know, I was talking with uh both Conrad and also Scott Munson about this where I find that playwrights who are dead, like let's say Shakespeare, I mean their works are treated like this is the Bible, you don't change it at all. It's sacrilegious too. And I find that living playwrights you get that. You get the well, you know, can we change this or you know, hey Jeannie, can we, you know, move this line here or there or whatever. Do you feel a little, I don't know if it's disrespect or I feel I could take liberties as an actor because the, the writer's right there. Uh, do, you, do you get that a lot? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it's in, in um, development, mm -hmm. I'm, I think I'm pretty open in, in hearing what people's changes would you know, help make it better. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that, that's a period that's much different than a uh, – a production that's been on for five or six times and, and it's in print mm -hmm. and it's like, please say what I wrote. Part of how right. I write mm -hmm. is meant to be my 
my um, my move too into poetry. I say things in a phrase that to me sound like poetry. Mm-hmm. So when those words, those phrases aren't adhered to, I probably react a little bit more than I would for a phrase that sounds ad libish. Right. You know. Yeah. But um, uh, generally. Yeah, in a way, whether you're living or dead, even Shakespeare, you know, has been edited. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's almost as if, yes, we we love your ideas and uh, we love your take on it. We're just going to make it a little more adaptable <laughs> to our mouths or our sensibilities or something like that. And I, and I always wonder, because... And I, I actually talked to Christine Uren, who uh, she wrote uh, Lady Susan and a bunch of other um, period pieces adaptation, ad, ad, adapted from novels. And she told me one story. It was actually on another podcast where she went to a New York production of one of her plays, and they had changed it. And they didn't even tell her about it until she found out on opening night. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that just, just devastated her. Oh, yeah. Have you yeah. had to go through something like that? Many Unfortunately, oh no! No, I'm gonna say many. I'd say I could count on my hand, mm. but one was where I was actually there, where they kept me out of the room, mm. and kept saying, "Oh yes, we're gonna go to Hot Tub. We're gonna, oh, we're gonna have a have a uh, 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 a press conference over here." And I'm going like, "Well, when can I see what's going on in the in the rehearsal room?" And when I found out, I realized that they not only changed some of the words, but they changed the preference of the types of actors, mm. which was like, it doesn't make any sense, you know making these references to, you know, this friendship and this uh, between people of color mm-hmm. and you're not colored, you know? Yeah. So, and another one was where uh, papers were signed, first checks were given and the whole thing. And um, it, was a, it was a school. Mm-hmm. The drama teacher said, uh, we just had a few changes. We wondered if you would consider. And I said, well, like what? And she said, well, there's far too many swear words. Can we take them all out? <laughs> And I, we went back and forth at least two or three times before I finally said, you know what, I'm going to have to pull this play because it's obviously not the kind of play your group should do, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. And um, Well, good for you. I mean, you could have just said, well, okay, and it's not your work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. But um, I, th- I think you've got to make stands on, on your work at certain times. I mean, because that was a smaller group. Mm-hmm. It was probably an easier decision. I think if it were a big theater, Mm -hmm. you know, then it would get into something a little hairy. Yeah, I hear you. You know. Because your words, if you use a particular word, phrase, a clause, you have a reason for it. Mm -hmm. And just because an actor may not understand it because, let's say, they may be lazy, they may be like, well, Mm -hmm. I hear it in my way or, you know, I want to say it in my Mm -hmm. way. That's laziness on the actor's part. I mean, if you wrote it a certain way, that's the way it has to be. I mean, do you? Is it difficult getting? Not everyone. I mean, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of groups who do your work and they understand it and they respect it, and you don't have this back and forth. But mm-hmm. is there a fight among uh, playwrights and directors or whatever? Hey, I said it this way. It has to be this way. Mm-hmm. If you can't see my vision, then I don't know why you're doing this play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that case, like I just told you, was mm-hmm. probably the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. But um, generally, I work pretty closely with the directors, mm-hmm. um, especially if we're not in the same city. Yeah. So, like the one in in Honolulu, he was he was really great. He was very perceptive. And he mm-hmm. he got it, and he asked the right questions, and anything that we needed to hash out, which was very little, mm-hmm. we hashed out before 
he goes into the rehearsal room. Mm-hmm. So by the time I show up and see what they're doing, I'm thinking, oh, okay, all right, we addressed that, we did that, okay, maybe we should relook at this section here. Yeah. But again, that's that's the amount, that's the level of professionalism mm-hmm. that is that has to happen on both sides. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, there has to be a mutual respect on, on both sides. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, the technique of playwriting. I mean, I'm a budding playwright myself, and I've, I've taken some classes, uh, a class at the Berkeley Rep with uh, Gary Graves, but there's still a lot that I'm learning. When you first have a concept, I mean, what, how do you, I guess, what are the beginning stages of writing a play? Well, for me, for, you, yes. for me, um, I listen to my gut. Mm-hmm. There are times I'll have ideas and I just jot them down and I throw them in a folder or something like that. But if I hear something, and if I hear something that's already the title, mm. I know I'm already on a good start. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it, it could be weeks, even months, of just thinking about a certain story and then all of a sudden, boom, walls. That's it. That's what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, uh, there's the process of the research for something like walls yeah it has to be research because yeah. that's history mm-hmm. as opposed to something that's totally fictionalized mm-hmm. um then in a way it's almost like the leap into okay structure and plot and, and um it's funny i say that first before i say characters mm-hmm. because the plot to me is like that's that's what you hang everything on mm-hmm. and the characters are the embellishments in a way yeah you know so, yeah, you, you've got to know your story. I always, I, I don't start writing until I know my ending. Interesting. That's, now when you talk about you have the plot or the structure before the characters, don't you need one, I mean, don't you need at least one or two main characters to know what the plot is like? I think about Buffalo. Mm-hmm. There's, it's, it's also a love story. It's not just about, you know, expatriates, but mm-hmm. doesn't, isn't there like a black serviceman who falls in love with a Philippine woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, so Fagan. Mm-hmm. He comes to mind. Yes, he was a character, and again, because it was historical, it meant mm-hmm. research Fagan. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it's it's sometimes they change. Sometimes that protagonist changes. It's not necessarily that person you first think of. Yeah, it's somebody who who you realize has come into your brain mm-hmm. a little later who serves the theme better. Yeah, I always think about in terms of. What, what theme it is that each one of them represents. Yeah. You know, tags into in some, yeah. in some fashion. So um, I, I, I'm not saying it's a backwards way. I'm just saying that it, depending on the project, mm-hmm. um, eventually, you know, plot and structure are going to fit in there way up front anyway. Sure. You know. And I've seen it, and there are problems when it happens the other way. If you think of a great, great character, and you focus so much on the character that, there, there really isn't a lot of plot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's y- you can get, you know, you can fall into a rabbit hole where mm-hmm. you love a character so much mm-hmm. that everything else goes by the wayside. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That doesn't hurt to fall in love with it because mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to let it go. Yeah. You know, it may disappear. Mm-hmm. But that character, you know, many characters. Um, but the fact is sometimes you just have to get it down on paper and, you know, move away for it for a while and mm-hmm. go back okay, maybe this character is also serving the same purpose as these three characters, so uh, these two need to go, or I'll change one of them, or, you know, it's, it's like this. It's like this dial here, you know? <laughs> Right, right, exactly. You know? You're looking at my dial. Yeah, you tweak things. It's almost like faders, you know? Yeah, yeah. One gets faded, another gets faded. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Here's a question for you that I also asked Scott and also um, Jean, 
um, Christine, and um, uh, how difficult is is it in writing characters that are very different from you as a person? Like, l like I'm a guy, and I, let's say if I'm writing about a woman, I can't just assume that I know how women think or feel or whatever. I can do the best that I can. But um, it has, is it a difficulty for you? Um, do you have to do research or whatever, or do you just say, listen, you know, I have I have the rhythm in my head. I'm just going to write. No, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it difficult? No, I don't think it's difficult. Yes, I have to do research. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's not so much the idea of male-female as it is human nature. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's funny. I've been told that I write better male characters than female. That's interesting. <laughs> and you know why? This is something an, another... Uh, a director told me a long time ago, mm -hmm. you're, you're always, you're always, how can you put it? You're always viewing from the point, from the point, the viewpoint of the oppressor. Hmm. And that's not meant to mean, you know, uh, negative. It's just, as a woman, mm -hmm. we watch men. Huh. You know? Um, so in a way, you hear that patter mm -hmm. of talk. Yeah. You know? a lot more um it, it it's 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 whatever position you're in mm -hmm. that you see a lot of okay yeah so you can pick up the voices you can pick up the pattern mm -hmm. um uh earlier in my career i i was out right eavesdropping you know in cafes mm -hmm. just to hear the pattern of lingo yeah you know and of course you know that that david mamet would completely verbatim oh, write cool. down dialogue so mm -hmm. and he would get those voices very mm -hmm. very uh very specific there's a fantastic rhythm with mammoth and you're absolutely right and i guess it, it applies to with races as well like you've written about you know like um you've written about black people and you've written about you know other races as well mm -hmm. and you just you know you listen and you it, and uh, i guess it's also very important to connect you talked about you know getting out of the box and connecting with other people and, and looking at other plays mm -hmm. um how important is it for i guess the playwright to venture out of their comfort zone and speak to different people of different cultures and races and, and what have you um or or not really or um i think writers for the most part are loners <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hear you yeah you know and um yeah, I would say it is kind of a big effort to try to get away from the paper and because otherwise you you could write five plays, but they, it almost would be the same thing. I mean, it's I don't know how you can have a, a I don't know how you can differentiate from different plays or even characters within a particular mm -hmm. play. I mean, I've I've gone to plays where all the characters sort of sound the same or mm -hmm. have the same rhythm, and it's mm -hmm. like, well, you know, people just aren't that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it it does take um, a good ear. Mm -hmm. You know, and also the wherewithal, the patience to sit there and listen to people talk. Mm -hmm. um, there are sometimes I lose whole conversations because I'm so busy listening to the the tones and the the nuances of mm -hmm. the speech. Um, but I, I, it it's t it takes work to use all your senses just to put it down on paper and and make it as cohesive and understandable. Mm -hmm. You know, as as a character following an arc. Yeah. You know. Um, and I, I think that's where the work comes in besides the research. Mm -hmm. I probably have to say research is something that some playwrights would sooner not do. Yeah. From what I've seen. 
Yeah. It takes a lot know. of work to do the research. Yeah. And yeah. there's not a lot of writing when you do research. There's more reading and right. just absorbing. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's that's what I always try to emphasize mm-hmm. if I'm teaching a class. It, it's like if you're researching, if you're sitting and you're, you know, picking out your belly button, you know, <laughs> and you're thinking about the play, that's all work. It's not just the pen on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to you've got to take that time and 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 and, and fill out the whole picture. Mm-hmm. You know, before you even get to that point. Right. Now it's a very good point. One great thing about your writing, especially Aurora, um, you don't shy away from tragedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norman and I were talking about how a lot of young, especially uh, regional theater, like I, I've been to a couple of French festivals in San Francisco where. There are a lot of writers who want to focus on comedy. It's almost like, you know, a lot of Second City TV or almost Saturday Night Live, you know, let's let's have fun or, or what have you. And you don't see a lot, and even in movies, you don't see a lot of, of tragedy where um, you get to actually feel and um, deal with sad emotions or what have you. And Aurora, there is... There's such an outletting of emotion. Aurora, I should say, you know the plot better than I do because you wrote it, but mm-hmm. it's basically about a family dealing with the loss of their daughter. And it comes at um, at around the time of the Aurora shootings, uh, the uh, James Holmes, who uh, killed a bunch of folks uh, in a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado. Um, can you talk about, I guess, writing tragedy or uh, just um, maybe why you wrote Aurora? Um well, I wrote Aurora because that daughter was my niece. Yeah. And she she was she was murdered in the Denver area. And the uh, up close and personal, let's say, um, experience, I had no idea. I really did. I mean, you see it. You, you, you see how people react to it um, on TV or something like that. But mm-hmm. when you're actually in it, you realize, oh, my God, I had no idea this is what they went through. I'd see people behind the mic of where the, where the uh, parents are talking to audiences and saying, mm-hmm. you know, please help us find the killer and, and things like that. And there are people behind. And I thought, what are their voices? What, what, what are they going through? They've got to be as invested in this loss. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much what I was aiming for. I was trying to get the voices of those people you don't hear from. Mm-hmm. Um, as as far as the the actual uh, let's say spilling out of emotions, mm-hmm. it was the hardest thing I could have done on paper. The hardest play, yeah, really, because I said if anybody's going to really feel what the loss is through this play and understand how these other people that you don't look at are mm-hmm. going through, mm-hmm. then I will have done my job. You yeah. Know? And it was, it was incredibly powerful. I mean, you know, it's and the and there's an importance. You know, I think there's a need for people to sort of um, to let out their emotions. And a lot of people can't. That's why we go to theater. That's why we have music that makes us cry or, or what have you. Because we need. If I can't cry, you know, mm-hmm. if someone can outlet the emotions that that I want to outlet, it makes it easier for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's almost. It's almost a good thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's—I think that's the 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 uh, actu- absolute um, commandment <laughs> for a, uh, a writer is is to display those emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, so they know they're not alone. 
you know, this right. is this is how I feel. This is what I wrote or experienced or or saw from a distance or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And um, all of the people out there watching or, or viewing this, they already have that curtain. Mm-hmm. It's like open your curtain a bit. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So let's talk about um, – like when you first get to, do you do like an outline before you actually write the play, or do you just sort of go right into it? I mean, maybe you're talking you have about a written outline. No, no, these are all things that um, I figure out headwise, mm-hmm. let's say. And like I said, sometimes it takes weeks and sometimes it takes months. But I've got certain areas that I've got already figured out before I start writing. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Because um, I know in theater, as an actor, you know, we focus on, you know, they tell us. For every great play, you know, there, there's like these five arcs. I think they're like five elements of a great play. They say there's exposition. There's, boy, I, I, I can hardly remember because, you know, I'm going back several years. But, you know, there's the climax and there's the, um, there are these, um, there's always there's always a, um, a an objective that, mm-hmm. the, that the protagonist has. Right. And whether the protagonist gets to the objective or doesn't get to the objective, that's where the drama is. Right, right, right. Is that how you approach it? I mean, do you focus on the uh, in in a general sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, after a, a while, I mean, I don't mean to sound like it's all by rote because it's not. But, but after a while, you do get the, th- the 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 swing of how to create that arc. Mm-hmm. Like when you're talking about an arc, the most the easiest one to cover, let's say, is character arc. Sure. Okay. So when I'm done writing mm-hmm. uh, a character, and I'm talking done with the first draft or something like mm-hmm. that, I'll go back and I'll p- plot all along the way, mm-hmm. you know, just to see, okay, is that going to make sense? Is that really what the changeover would be? Is that the place where it would happen? Yeah. Which, would that person, he or her, actually say that in that in that way? Right. And, again, is that the right time? Is that the right time? Mm-hmm. So, and then going back to all the other characters and see how they intersect with that. If yeah. their arcs, you know, uh, reach that same point or they reach it s- sooner mm-hmm. or later. And or they may have other little objectives of their own. Oh, yeah, they have throughout to. Throughout the play, yeah. Right, right. They've got to have a purpose mm-hmm. if they're going to be on stage at all. You know? Right. Um, the thing about learning how those arcs work mm-hmm. de- uh, determines how, let's say, how, how major a character is. Mm-hmm. The sooner... Uh, a character gets to its goal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a minor character, you know, yeah. because the one that you're tracking is the one who takes the longest to right. get through right. the the life of the play. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's what you had mentioned before, uh, being clear about who your protagonist is or mm-hmm. who who you're tracking. Right. You know, which is not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. But <laughs> but it helps. <laughs> Gary Graves had mentioned and when I took his class, he says sometimes your protagonist may change. Mm-hmm. You may think this is the main character, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute. This yeah. character's a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you oh, dealt with that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, again, learning to trust your, your, your gut. Yeah. You know, your instinct about, okay, it's just that character's just not addressing all the needs of the theme of the play. Right. You know? Yeah. Or not in the way that I, 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 I thought it was going to mm-hmm. end up that way. Still an interesting character, but mm-hmm. you know what? This one... This one is following it more. Right. So. Yeah. And being able to be uh, truthful about that to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and just say, you know what, i got to let that character go. Right. Yeah, I totally hear you. Yeah. Have you found that your writing has changed? Uh, everyone, everyone changes with age. 
But um, do you find that your style of writing or your type, I, I guess your writing has changed as you've gotten older? Hmm. Yes and no. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. I, w- I was described as having um, a way of uh, plotting out plays in a rectilinear way, which is like s- you see a story starting there, then you kind of go to another one, then you come back to this one, you know, then you go back to that one. It's like you're still tracking it, mm-hmm. but they're happening at, d- at different time frames. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's what Walls was, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then if you add another rectilinear <laughs> thing that yeah. happens to it, it makes it for incredible complication, but it challenged me. It, it made me it made me work harder. Yeah. You know? I would say it's become more beginning to end now, <laughs> you know. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cuz you had mentioned that you you wrote in a certain style and then you went back. I think you said you went back to the Philippines. I think you were visiting and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you had a change or you had a discovery and all of a sudden you said that you wrote completely different after that. Well, I wrote um different subject matters. Mm-hmm. I could I felt like I had a little more insight yeah. into what those subjects were that had been floating around in my head all along. I just didn't know how to address them until I found out how much culture played into it. Mm-hmm. You know? It was sort of like this fight against culture. Yeah. And then realizing, you know what, you've got to open yourself up to that in, right. order, in order to have more latitude as a writer. Yeah. So, yeah. And it sounds like theater has also changed you as well. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you felt that you had to, you were in this box or this, you know, parameter. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you go into theater and you meet different people and you're exposed to different things. And, mm-hmm. and that's changed you. Do you find that to be true? Oh, yeah, it has to be. It yeah. has to be. Because it's a collaborative um, atmosphere anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be it just in your little room like, like a novelist. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, you've got to take into account what all these other artists mm-hmm. are doing to contribute to your vision. Yeah. You know, so once you open yourself up to that. Yeah. And you, you're you unique because you're, you're a novelist. You're writing your, are a piece, uh, a novel. Turn right at the water buffalo. Exactly. Turn right at the water buffalo. But also you're into poetry as well, as well as a playwright. Is that right? Uh, yeah. The poetry, like I said, uh, I satisfy it in my, in my, my playwriting, mm-hmm. the, the, the phrases that I think are very specific. Yeah. I've always felt that um, screenwriters write what people do. Um, playwrights write what people say. Um, novelists write what people think. And and poets write what people feel. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true? That sounds very good. <laughs> yeah, you ought to coin that there. <laughs> yeah, I ought to coin that. So um, I'll, I'll give you the last. Uh, it's We're hitting the... Uh, the Half hour mark. Um, do you have any uh, last bits? Anything that you want to promote for um, any? Because you're working on some stuff. I know you're working on a novel, but are you working? Do you have some plays in 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 the future? Yeah. Well, when I was in um, in Hawaii, <coughs> I, I pitched the artistic director mm-hmm. a, a few a few ideas, and uh, because I want to work there again. You know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, who, who, who wouldn't want to work in Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, it was great. I mean, yeah. it was a month there, and it's the times I wasn't in the rehearsal room, I was out snorkeling, so, (laughs) but um, I knew that I had ideas before I went there, and so when I had a chance to actually talk to him about it, uh, you could just tell this reaction, like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, Mm -hmm. all right, and then there's this blah, 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 blah. oh, yeah, 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 and then I said, and then there was this play that I had in mind about um, the labor situation in the Hawaiian plantations, and the eyes just went, really? Hmm. We've never had a play like that, you know? 
and as dry as that sort of pitch sounds like, yeah. you can tell when people react to it. Yeah. Because again, they already have their ideas yeah. of what, what they want to do. But yeah. um, the fact that there's a playwright who's willing to do that is like, hmm. That gets into the business of playwriting, where not only do you have the creative part of it, writing the play, but now you have to sell it or whatever. We, didn't, we haven't even really talked about that, but yeah. can you talk a little bit about the business of, of playwriting? Uh, I guess selling it and promoting yourself? Well, okay, mine's a pretty unusual situation because I did have a uh, an agent in New York, and um, she unfortunately passed away, but... Um, I also felt like I was still doing a lot of my own work anyway mm -hmm. as far as promotion. Mm -hmm. So after she passed, I really didn't actively look for an agent like I am now for novel writing. Um, it's, it's, it's just I felt I think I can do this myself. So yeah. I was doing that. But the thing was I was doing everything else too. Mm -hmm. But I was willing to do that. Yeah. You know, I was younger and I had more energy. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I was just casting and sometimes acting myself or – and doing the PR and doing the directing and doing, you know, everything, you mm -hmm. know, costumes, just set design. I learned so much. Mm -hmm. Love sound design, by mm -hmm. the way, you know. Um, but the fact was is, is that after a while, that's – that you've got to let go <laughs> and really bring in the people who can do this and do it much better yeah. than you do. And I just – finally figured over the years, okay, what I really want to do is write. That's all I really want to do. I just want to write. Mm -hmm. So let me get to that point. And I've talked to Norman a mm -hmm. lot about this, mm -hmm. but after a while, it's just like, okay, let's get that person to do that, this, that, mm -hmm. um, and get back to your original dream was to write. So um, the business end of it, it comes in handy. I, I uh, uh, advise anybody who's mm -hmm. a playwright to at least know what all the facets are. Mm -hmm. So when they walk into a rehearsal room, they're not going to go, well, when am I going to see the costumes? Like, that's not how it works. You <laughs> right. Know? <laughs> you know? Right. Um, they, they need to know all the aspects that yeah. are, go into making their play. Yeah. You know? And also collaborating with all of the people because, you know, luckily because you've been doing it for such a long time, you know the people that you can trust. Mm -hmm. You know the people you can bring in and that you can let go because it's hard letting go if you don't know the people that you're working mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to uh, go with that flow, you know, your gut instinct. There were some of the newest, youngest people I worked with on tech were the best because mm -hmm. they're hungry for yeah. one thing. Yeah, that's right. But, um, they sort of look to you with the idea that you know something, I can learn something from you. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'll say, um, I will walk you through whatever you need to be walked through, mm -hmm. but show me what you can do to alleviate me of some of that. Mm -hmm. You know, think it through yourself. Come back with some uh, suggestions. Mm -hmm. If they sound good, we can go with it. You know, but see how far you can take it. Just figuring it out yourself. Yep. You know, and uh, there was a Cracker Jack. Stage manager, boy, she helped me so much. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's it's a feel for the people in the room, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, as well as your own craft. Absolutely. Well, that's it, Jeannie. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, once again, you can visit Jeannie's website at Jeannie uh, Baroga, B A R R O G A mm -hmm. dot com. Great, I nailed it. <laughs> uh, also, there's a link. You can just click onto the link. And um, I don't know how anyone's listening to the podcast, but you can listen to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app. Just click on that purple link, and you can type in the yay or Reg Clay, and you will find uh, this podcast. If you're on Android, you can listen to this on SoundCloud. And if you're on uh, a computer, 
on Windows, Mac, it doesn't matter. You can always go on to SoundCloud.com and, you know, find um, this uh, episode as well, the yay. So that's it. I'm going to let you enjoy your Sunday, uh, Jeannie, and uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, and we are out.